BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers of peace, freedom and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you live from Netroots Nation in Philadelphia. Got in last night about two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's, it's been a wild ride. Anyhow, there's a lot in the news and, and things that I wanted to talk with you about today. We're going to be also having guests just dropping by randomly as we continue through the show to talk about their particular issues. Dr. Richard Wolf is going to be with us. But I wanted to talk about immigration because Trump is pushing his... Bill Barr has apparently told him that if he simply issues an executive order, it will not violate the Supreme Court ruling, and he'll be able to have his census question, which will intimidate any Hispanic families who have people who are undocumented in this country in their families, or even close to their families, or even in their neighborhood. That, of course, is the goal. Frankly, at this point, whether the question's on the census or not is almost moot because Trump has gotten so much publicity about this. He's pushed this so hard for so long that he's already scared the bejesus out of people in this country who are uh, undocumented immigrants. But the Democratic Party and progressives need to have a conversation about this. And we need to have a serious and honest and thoughtful conversation about this. And I'd like to start that today. There's a few things here that are germane, shall we say. And Trump is starting his deportation raids on Sunday as well. Having control of who is in your country is actually not a radical or a right-wing idea. It's something that pretty much every country in the world does. It became essentially a radical idea with the European Union. The EU was the first, to the best of my knowledge, I'm, you know, and maybe you know of one that, I, that I'm missing here, but it was, to the best of my knowledge, the first time that a group of countries got together and said, you know, we're just going to do away with our borders. And it has, frankly, I think it's, it's become a train wreck. This is why Britain is doing the Brexit thing, is because in Britain, a plumber, you know, an actual licensed, competent plumber in Britain would make whatever, you know, let's say it's 30 bucks an hour. In Poland, that same plumber would make 5 or $10 an hour because Poland's a much poorer country. Well, once the EU integrated and said, okay, anybody can go anywhere, literally plumbers from Poland went to Britain. In fact, there was this time several years ago where they were running ads, these anti-immigrant people were running ads saying, and it was called the Polish Plumber Ad. And it was an ad about, you know, what happens when a plumber shows up 
and from Poland and puts out of business all the plumbers in England. And what's happened is that not just the wages of plumbers in England have gone down, but the wages of electricians have gone down. Basically, the wages of anybody who can emigrate from outside Britain into Britain. And it's not just Britain, by the way. The same thing is happening in Germany. In fact, a friend of mine who's a physician, he's been a guest on this program. It's been some years, and I'm not sure he wants his story out there quite like this, so I'm not going to name him. But, you know, a very, very close friend of mine, a guy that Louise and I have known for 20, 30 years, moved to Canada to be a doctor in Canada. And he was in his 50s. And when he hit his mid to late 50s, around 56, 57, they kicked him out of the country. I mean, they literally arrested him and put him on a plane and, and you know, basically said, they didn't want to pay for his retirement. I mean, that was the bottom line. They had an excuse. The excuse was that he had a speeding violation in the United States back when he was in his 30s. And so they said, aha, you're a criminal. But really, this is what's going on. So countries control their borders. That's the fact that, you know, Democrats need to recognize. I mean, that's only a piece of it, right? On the other hand, we've got in this country this giant magnet for people to come into the country and work illegally. And it's not just from Mexico. It's not even just from south of the border. The largest number of people who come to the United States as tourists and overstay their visas are Canadians. Canadians. You've got the second, I think the second largest group that is not from south of the border. And now Canadians outnumber people from south of the border. The second largest group is Irish. I mean, you've got people from literally all over the world coming here and working. Uh, without legal permission. I've told the story many times. I lived in Germany for a year. It took me almost six months to get a work permit to, to, to live in Germany. In order to open a bank account, I had to show my work permit. In order to, to get a local driver's license, I had to show my work permit. Um, I gave a series of speeches with Neil Donald Walsh in Australia back about 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. And because we were being paid for these speeches, and it wasn't even big bucks, I mean, it was like a $3,000 honorarium, but because I was being paid to give a speech in Sydney and Melbourne and in Perth, I had to get a work permit from the, from the Australian government, and that took the better part of a year, as I recall. At least it took several months. It was a rigorous process, and I had to go through all kinds of stuff. And the company that was sponsoring me had to go through all kinds of stuff. So what is missing from this discussion is the fact that here in the United States, we encourage employers to hire people who are not citizens, who should not be working in this country. Now, I'm not, keep in mind, I'm not talking about people living in this country. That's a completely different conversation. But people who live in this country generally come here to work and to live. So the, the things do get tied together. But um, we have been, ever since 1986, when Ronald Reagan did his immigration reform, he, he declared basically amnesty for five million people who had been here for quite some time, and he stopped enforcing the law against employers. Trump is going after the wrong people. Trump is playing this as pure racism. This has very little to do with people, you know, diluting our labor force, which is how it's being sold by Trump to the Trump voters and the Trump people. You know, they're all sitting around going, well, you know, the union, good union jobs in the construction industry vanished in the late 80s and the early 90s uh, because all these people came from outside the country to work here. Well, that's true. But, you know, if those people had had to have work permits in order to work, if the employers had been put in jail. But see, Reagan stopped that. Prior to 86, employers who hired people who were here illegally, there was this giant exception to all of this, which was 
which had to do with the uh, with the farm workers. Uh, but outside of that, basically, and 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 in fact, we you know we as a nation we've struggled with this. Eisenhower had this program called the Bracera program. He rolled out, and I think it was '53 or '54. They killed it, in, as I recall, in the early '60s. I you know I could be wrong on the dates, but it's it's right around there. And the Bracera program was basically a green a seasonal green card. It gave people from Mexico or from south of the border the ability to come into the United States, principally the West Coast, and do agricultural work for up to six months or up to nine months, whatever it was, and then they had to go back, and they did. You know, basically, you know, prior to 86, a million people came north every year, a million people went south every fall after the picking season. This change that Reagan put into place, specifically to break unions, specifically to weaken the labor movement in the United States, I mean, that literally was what it's all about. That has not been changed. That was never, and it's not been addressed by our Democratic politicians. Bill Clinton never talked about this. Barack Obama never talked about this. Although Obama did deport a lot of people, he was he was also unwilling to put in jail largely wealthy white employers. I think, frankly, we need to have a conversation about how to message this, how to do this, how, because if we don't, Donald Trump is going to win on this issue. There's a reason why he's actually happy that there are pictures of little kids in cages. Tom Hartman here with you live from Philadelphia. But right now, Zara Ballou yes. is with me. Zara is a civil rights attorney and the executive director of the San Francisco Bay Area Office for the Council on American it's Islamic Relations. It's yeah. a long C-A-I-R. name. C-A-I-R. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an honor. It's a pleasure to have you with us. So, first of all, what is the situation right now with regard to Muslims in the United States, the Muslim ban, Donald Trump? You know, he actually campaigned on he was going to trash people like you. Right. Where are we at? Right. Legally, where are we at with this kind of structurally right. and culturally? Right, right. The president, our current president, campaigned on banning people who pray the way I pray from coming into the United States, never mind the fact that we've been here since this country's founding. Yep. That and early before. and before. And you know, that early litigation went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court did not rule on the constitutionality of the Muslim ban, but did permit it to go forward. So the Muslim ban is in effect right now. If you are from Iran, Syria, Somalia, Libya, or Yemen, you can't come to the United States. It doesn't matter if you're dying, it doesn't matter if you want to get married, you cannot come to the United States. There are lawsuits that are pending in Maryland and in California that hope to continue to cut the Muslim ban by a million cuts, but there's also legislation now, the No Ban Act, which would repeal the bans right now, but also make it difficult, make it hopefully impossible for future administrations to pass further bans. And so members of Congress that might be listening or people that want to reach out to their members of Congress should make sure that they are supporting this legislation. And the Democratic presidential candidates need to commit to repealing the ban. This president put it in in his first week in office. The next president could take it out in their first day. Yeah. Just an outrageous story we were reporting on here about a man who was born in Iran, moved to Germany, lived in Germany for 40 right. years. He's a physician. His son, as I recall, was in the United States studying, and his son was in a car accident and died. Right. And he tried to come. He tried to get a visa to come to the United and States from Germany. The guy's a German right. citizen. Right. But he's born in Iran. Yeah trying to come to his son's funeral and right. the Trump administration said, no, you can't come into our country. 
this is beyond anything that has to do with rational right. arguments. I mean, not to not to even strongly say that there was any kind of rational argument to there begin wasn't. with. There wasn't, right. I mean, I, you, I, I could see, a, you know, a, an argument for somebody who's an avowed member of ISIS or something or Al-Qaeda, but just like I think that there's a really good argument to be made for evicting from our country some of the Christian yes. fundamentalists who run yes. around shooting people. But which people. country would we punish them? Like, yeah. punish, punish by Send sending these to. people to, right? right? Like, yeah. we all, unfortunately, each of these countries has people in their populations that are violent criminals, right. yeah. but we don't and believe they, in punishing everyone for as it. Exclu- right. as, as right. excuse. Religion, capitalism, racism, nationalism, yeah. I mean, yeah. so many excuses. Yeah, but this seems to me like Donald Trump started his campaign basically saying he was a racist, he's been a racist right. his whole life. We knew this from the Central Park yes. Five. Right. I mean, he turned that into a cause celebrity. Right. We know this from the way that he treated our first black president, Barack yes. Obama, you know, claiming that, oh, you know, Obama's not really a citizen and, you know. Absurd, black, black, black. absurd. I think it's beyond absurd. I think it's poisoning this country. I, you know, I, I agree with you, but I also want to acknowledge that family separation, which is like the Muslim ban is one of the early family separation policies of this administration, is something that's existed since this country's founding. Whether we were ripping apart indigenous families or the black families that were brought over here during the slave trade. And so it is, the, he's poisoning the conversation. But the policies follow a decades-long, if not centuries-long, trend of separating families who come from places or look a certain way or pray a certain way that doesn't make white Christians feel comfortable. Right. So beyond calling our members of Congress right. and beyond trying to be the rational voice at the Thanksgiving Day dinner, table when Uncle Ralph goes right. off on his Fox Which is News so rant. important, by the way, because I'm not at that table. Yeah, absolutely. Right. No, I, and, and that's one of the... Yeah. Uh, and in fact, occasionally I'll get those Uncle Ralph characters who either call in or come on the program, and I try to engage them to, right. to model for people how to have those conversations. But what else can we do? It's going to be so important that people are really involved in the 2020 election. There's a lot of focus on the presidential candidates. I mean, one one candidate drops out, another candidate comes in. It's a big circus right now, but every candidate right now has the ability to influence the conversation. And so to the effect that anyone can be pressuring their candidate of choice to commit to repealing the ban and to commit to changing the course of xenophobia and Islamophobia that we've seen from this administration, that's going to be important because even if my candidate doesn't win. If my candidate makes that commitment, it encourages the next candidate to make that commitment. And then right. to support down ballot. What we saw in 2018 was an incredible upsurge of women, of people of color, of Muslims running for office. I was on a great panel today organized by the New American Leaders uh, Project that featured Muslim women wearing headscarves who run for office. And I'd love to see more people support candidates that re- represent the diversity and the values that we celebrate at Netroots. We're talking with Zara Bal- who is a civil rights attorney and the executive director of the San Francisco Office of CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations. Tucker Carlson went off against Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar is a, she came, uh, actually she she and her family fled Somalia during the Civil War. They lived in a refugee camp in Kenya for four years. They finally got to the United States. She became a citizen. She loves this country. She wants to contribute to She's this the country. American dream. She literally she is. She's the American dream. And she got elected to Congress from Minnesota. And now we've got these guys like Tucker Carlson saying that she literally, he said she hates America. She's ungrateful, you know, right. quack, quack, quack. I am at a loss. I mean, this is my industry, right? This right. Is, I, and we've got a portion of our media 
And it's not just Fox News. It's no. also right-wing hate radio yeah. all across the, the United States. And yesterday we were discussing this topic. Yesterday I had a caller call in and say, an elderly woman who listens to religious radio oh. all the time. And I haven't listened to religious broadcasting in 20 years, but apparently it's shifted from just talking about Jesus to talking about how Jesus hates Muslims and brown people and just in general, you know, just this whole kind of race. Jesus, the Palestinian Jew. Yeah, exactly. Hates brown people and Muslims who weren't technically around. (laughs) There there you go. Yeah. And Jesus loves Donald Trump. And, you know, and, and we're, yeah. you know, I mean, we've seen this unholy yeah, yeah, alliance yeah. between Jerry Falwell Jr. Right. and his pool boy right. and Donald Trump right. and Franklin Graham and all these guys. But and I realize you're not a partisan organization and, and, and I'm not going to try and drag you into, sure. into a partisan conversation. And, and in fact, we were just discussing, you know, how do we change the discussion around immigration in the United right. States? Because, you know, most countries you know, allow immigration within you know, reasonable yeah. limits. But they also require people, in order to get a job, to have permission to be in the country. And so, which is a completely different thing from the debate around, around uh, uh, refugees, right. which we've got you know, on a southern border and a, and a crisis going on. Right. And like, the Democrats are, if, if it, my sense of it is that the discussion around this does not have the level of... Urgency. Uh, well, urgency, sophistication, um, clarity. Right. You know, I mean, Trump basically is saying, those people are coming to take your jobs. And people go, oh, my God. You know, and there's nothing from the Democrats. Or those people are bringing, you know, lice and disease, you know, right. and, you know, which is the, 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 the racist stereotype right. crap. I'm struggling to message this, particularly for Democrats yeah. or for candidates. I mean, I think that, you know, first and foremost, I think I always want to make sure we mention when we talk about refugees that's unique for America more so than any other country in the world is our role in causing the crisis that forces people to leave their homes. Yes. Right? People aren't just leaving their homes and crossing dangerous territory and putting their lives at risk because it's fun or exciting or they needed a day at Disneyland. And they're not but, looking for jobs. Right. They, they are, are fleeing violence. For their lives. That, that Reagan started right. with official U.S. policy, exactly. That, you know, for which, in part, Ollie North and uh, Elliot Abrams got pardoned by George right. Herbert Walker Bush at the insistence of Bill Barr, who's now our Attorney General again. And so, like, that, so that's the thing I always want to make sure that we say, right? Is that yes. these are not people coming to Disneyland; these are yes. people who are fleeing the conditions that we created. Yes. Beyond that, I, you know, I don't know that I would say like the Democratic Party has been disappointing. Um, and you know, sometimes I, I'm in the Bay Area. I appreciate so much of what Nancy Pelosi has done, but I'm also like, are you not feeling the urgency? Like, do you not? Ha- like, and she doesn't. She doesn't have family members that are impacted in the way that so many of my friends and colleagues are. But there is, you know, there's a great resurgence happening within the Democratic Party. There's a revival with these freshman members of Congress, and I've been disappointed when Nancy Pelosi has tried to quash that or to right, understate that. Right? Is that the Democratic Party is not moving fast enough? People's lives are on the line and they are letting themselves be pawns in the political game at the cost of people's lives like how many stories do we have to hear about a, about a, a kid dying in ICE custody right. how much do we have to learn about the racism of border patrol before we can all get on board to say we need to abolish ICE that this is a very problematic militaristic agency that is killing yeah, people that are it, seeking it, safety they, they've, they've become our internal uh, 
Well, I'm, I'm, I was going to say Gestapo, but, I, you know, it's, it, it, it overstates it, but not by much. No, I mean, they're running concentration at, at camps at least, yeah, in the U.S. Pre-1939, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't overstate it at all. Right. So Zara Bilu, the civil rights attorney and executive director of the San Francisco office yes. of the Council on, on American-Islamic Relations. Thanks Thank so much you. for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Great talking. I have a good friend who's a nurse in a plastic surgery center. Now, they mostly do reconstructive stuff for people who've had surgery, you know, uh, mastectomies, things like that, or been in bad car accidents. But um, it really introduced me to how huge the plastic surgery industry is. Um, you know, people trying to take under eye puffiness, wrinkles, all that kind of stuff. It's incredible. And it's expensive. And there are dangers associated with it, not to mention the, the, the milder stuff, you know, people using hemorrhoid creams and tea bags, which don't frankly work. What does work, though, and works quickly and without things like surgery is Plexiderm. And I'm not talking about working in days or weeks. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates under eye bags and wrinkles from view in just minutes. Did you hear that? In minutes. The science behind Plexiderm is incredible, with clinical studies to back it up. If you look older and tired because of crow's feet, wrinkles, or under-eye bags, you can look younger in just minutes with Plexiderm. See for yourself. Watch a real video with real people and see how fast crow's feet, wrinkles, and under-eye bags disappear. Those results are backed up, by the way, by Plexiderm's 30-day satisfaction guarantee. Go to TryPlexiderm.com and use the coupon code TOM, T-H-O-M, for my discount. That's TryPlexiderm.com with the code TOM, T-H-O-M. Or call 1-800-685-1292 and mention my name, Plexiderm. Louise loves it. I love it. It's great stuff. Check it out. Tom Harbin here with you. So here's the question, and I realize that this, this may be a tough one because the Democrats have not plowed the ground, as it were. For the last 15 years that I've been doing this show, Republicans have been having immigration roundtables, immigration workshops, immigration conferences. I've done my show from a couple of them where I went in and debated Republicans. Democrats have not even brought this topic up, to the best of my knowledge, other than saying it's inhumane to simply deport people. And that's not going to fly with the American people or a lot of the American people. So how do we, how do we strip the racism piece out of Trump's argument, reveal that Trump is making a racist argument rather than a labor argument, and then begin to make a labor argument? And how do we build coalitions with communities of, particularly the Latinx community, how do we build coalitions that honor people who are, well, first of all, fleeing oppression? I mean, you know, the situation in Central America right now, which is the principal crisis that we're dealing with, has nothing to do with people looking for work. It has to do with people fleeing, you know, literally refugees, fleeing, you know, torture and hate and stuff like that. How do we differentiate those in a media that does everything in 30-second sound bites? I think this is going to be a major challenge for the Democratic Party, and everybody is afraid to talk about it. And if they don't soon, it's going to bite us all in the butt really badly. John in Minneapolis. Hey, John, what's on your mind? How do you change John, the you're on that is just endemic in this country? And... Uh, you know, Donald Trump is the racist in chief. We actually have racist as a president. I never thought that that would happen, but here we are. 
So, you know, I think they're afraid to say anything because, unfortunately, with a lot of people, racism resonates. They don't like black and brown people. They don't like people crossing the border and asking for amnesty. Brexit happened really as a result of of racism in, in many cases, that people didn't like Britain changing and having all of these people from Pakistan and whatnot come to their country. You know, it's... No, 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 wait a minute. Brexit isn't, hang on just a second, John. Brexit isn't, people from former British colonies were British citizens. They had the right to come to the UK. That's the people who came in as a consequence of the European Union were by and large white Europeans that Britain was reacting to. I mean, you know, if you want to talk about racism, talk about the Swedish backlash, you know, to the refugees coming in. Racism is worldwide, but there's a lot of racism. Yeah. And I would say that we're one of the most racist countries in the world. I agree with you, John. So here's the question. How does the Democratic Party engage in a discussion about how to rescue, essentially, the American labor movement and get control over our workplaces? How does the Democratic Party do that in a way that doesn't play into the racist narratives that Republicans have spent 20 years setting up and Donald Trump is promoting? I mean, is is just my my cry of it's time to start arresting white employers going to be enough? You know... Uh, that's that's a really interesting pro- problem. It's a conundrum in our politics because how do you do that? I, I mean, uh, you know, Tucker Carlson, is, you know, just absolutely hates my congressman because she's black and because she's Bill Somali. And that's really what it comes right. down to. And he has a forum yeah. that is a lot bigger than yours. And people hear that, and they hear it over and over again. She's ungrateful. She doesn't, you know, because she critiques. She critiques this country just. Oh, he's saying that she hates America. I mean, he's setting up an assassination attempt. Yes, this is like exactly. you know when, when Bill O'Reilly thirty some odd I mean, times I, talked about I, Tiller I, the I, baby I, killer until somebody went out and shot George Tiller. You know, I, it almost makes me want to do physical violence to him because I voted for her. I supported her. How dare he tell me that she is not a good congressperson? I, I just yeah, no, I get that, but you know, let's at. not talk about physical violence here, John. You know, we yes. we, we need to walk back from that. But but right. this larger question, this is this is the question that, that I would like. You know, if, if we've got any good political minds, and I think you're one of the best, is oh. and and you know, ponder this and get back with me. Maybe. But, you know, how can the Democratic Party put itself in the middle of the immigration discussion in a way that will be recognized by working class people across the United States as something that's going to protect their jobs? Right. Well, I think that's the whole thing. I think that the Democratic Party needs to do more for working class people. And there are people like uh, like Warren and, and Sanders that have addressed that. I don't think they would feel as threatened if they knew that, you know, their needs are going to be met, that they're not going to be competing with people coming across the border for their jobs. Yeah, thank you very much. I, I'm going to try and get some more thoughts on this. John, thank you. Nick in Mexico. Hey, Nick, you got some thoughts on it? I was uh, calling in reference to your comments about the Fresero program. Right. And... Uh, you were saying that you thought it was Eisenhower. I think it started about 10 years before that, didn't it? According to John Carlos Fry, you know, in Sand and Blood, which I'm about halfway through now and it's killing me. I think he said it started during World War II as a, a way of getting workers to uh, 
replace the soldiers who were in the European theater. Yeah, fighting. Sean said it started August 4th, 1942. That makes perfect sense. Right, right. You've read Sand and Blood already, I take it? I have not, no. Oh, God. Well, you will, and it's devastating. And I, I would recommend yeah. it to anybody who has any interest at all in understanding what's going on at our borders and who these people are, why they're there. The whole thing is such a disastrous mess that we've caused mostly and needs to be read. I, I, I agree. I agree. And we need to come up with some rational remedies for this. Nick, thanks a lot for the call. It's great to hear from you. And thanks for, for listening to the program down there in Mexico and for all that you do in our chat room over on YouTube. Much appreciated. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. All that noise in the background, we're broadcasting live from Netroots Nation in Philadelphia. Connie in uh, Reno, Nevada. Hey, Connie, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Um, I want to thank you for this conversation. I think it's really important. And I just want to say that in the 80s, I was in the construction business. I was a union contractor, and we felt the full effects of Reagan's failed pol- or terrible policies. And what happened in the beginning is, I mean, we were a union shop. We paid good wages, good benefits, everything. And by the end of 10 years, we were trying to compete with people who were paying seven fifty an hour and no benefits. And what I saw in the trades, not only did it kill the unions, but you had a workforce of these men who grew up in the 60s who had experience with drugs. And what happened was they all started doing drugs to so that they could work more so that they could compete that they were no longer working eight hours they were working 18 hour days and they were doing it by using crank and eventually uh, you know crack cocaine and my own husband fell victim to this and ended up being a paranoid schizophrenic and if you look down on the homeless rolls down on the river here in reno you'll see a lot of these old guys that really they were the result of these failed labor policies I think if somebody was to really draw a line, you'd see that. And I think the thing we need to focus, it has to be like a couple of prong attack. But number one is I think we need to show pictures of these employers who were jailed pre-Reagan and why they were jailed and, and how un-American they were and how after that nobody got jailed for hiring illegals. Right. And like the Willie Well, Point and just for the record, typically they weren't jailed, they were fined. But the fines were big enough that no company wanted to encounter those fines. But, but you know, if, if, we're, if we're running around arresting people... But that's what I'd like to see, a picture of that man and what he had to pay and vilify these people. They are un-American, they are traitorous to this country, and show the fact that since that time, none of this has happened. It's just not right. But anyway, that's my rant on it. It, it was a tough gig. Yeah, so, that's a good one. Th- thank you, Connie. Yeah. I appreciate the call. And thanks for sharing your story with us. Corky in Hilton, New York. Well, you know why uh, Trump wants that census. He can't let it go. He can't believe that 20 million people didn't vote for him because they were illegal. He's got to prove it right. in the census. And we all know that if he gets his census there, he's going to manipulate it to what he wants. Well, we already have a fence. I mean, we've already got a a substantial border wall. And this is the stupidity of it. I mean, prior to 86, we didn't have a border wall, by and large. We didn't need one. 
because at least for people looking for work. And again, we need to separate this from the people who are coming now who are refugees. People who are refugees, we should be, we, you know, we should be accepting and we should be working with Canada to find places for them. We should be working with Mexico to, to deal with these refugees. And, and we should be doing whatever we can to mitigate the climate change disaster that's happening right now in Honduras and Guatemala, you know, where large chunks of those countries are turning into desert and the farmers are getting wiped out. I mean, there's just, you know, so much we could be doing that we're not. And instead, Trump is just turning this all into racial demagoguery. And the Democrats are silent on it. And it's making me crazy. James in Clear Lake Oaks, California. James, you're on the air. Hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Your show is the best. So I think the key to what you were saying earlier is amnesty. So we might not be able to convince the unions whose job is to represent workers, not run the country, you know, that maybe we should just let everybody who's been here for a while become citizens and register to vote and so forth. We need to let people understand that in a lot of people's minds, immigration and refugees are wrapped together, even if that's not factually correct. This weekend, there's going to be a lot of protests and direct action and so forth. And so, you know, we might see some attention to this issue that will motivate something in that area. I agree, and, and I think that whole point of, of separating the issues is a really important one. George in Palm Desert, California, you're on the air. One thing I have a problem with is the Trumpeteers, the acquaintances who I have, of course, got out of my life. But what upsets me about the Democratic Party is one word that could solve this problem that I hear all the time, that they want open borders, or we want open borders, which, of course, is a lie. Here's how right. we solve that problem, yet I never hear one Democrat talk about it. It's called e-verification, and I believe I learned this a lot right. from you. Well, E-Verify has been around for a while, and it's a, for people who don't know what we're talking about, it's a system where an employer plugs your social security number, your name and your address into a database, into a federal database, um, which is tied to the Internal Revenue Service. And that database kicks back whether that person is actually who they say they are and whether they're a citizen or not. In other words, whether they can work or if they have a work permit, if they have a green card or something like that. Back to you, right. Now, wouldn't that solve the problem of all these uh, trumpeteers yep. yelling that the, uh, uh, the Democrats are all for open borders and they don't care about our borders? It would absolutely solve the problem, which is why the uh, Trump administration is not doing it. The system's there. It's already well, the in place. Democrats should be talking about it more. I agree. I agree. And that's, that's an excellent point. I absolutely Thank agree. You. Thanks Thank a lot, you. George, for calling and making that point. Elizabeth in Ashland, Oregon. Thank you. I just wanted to say that I think it's not widely enough understood that a lot of the immigration that we're having at the border, which we haven't had before, is driven by climate change, that crops are just yes. not but see, that's the point. These are not immigrants. These are refugees. And, and so yes. step one is to separate the idea in people's minds of immigrants who want to take their jobs from refugees who are literally fleeing for their lives. And we have a long history of embracing refugees. We did embrace immigrants up until the 1920s when we passed a law that said that basically you have to be a U.S. citizen to live here, which is the law that essentially Reagan stopped enforcing. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think that, that we need to understand that our use of fossil fuels is what's driving the climate change. And we are yeah. much heavier users of these fossil fuels than some of the countries south of us, I think. Right. Roughly a quarter of all the carbon that's in the atmosphere right now came from historic, you know, going back to the 1800s, but from the United States. Spot on. Thank you, Elizabeth. Rebecca in St. Michael, Minnesota. Just a minute to the break, Rebecca. A quick one. 
Yes, regarding the census question, what about a campaign rallying people all across the country to leave that question blank no matter who you are? And maybe if millions don't answer it, then a message will be sent to the representation and the administration. I think that's a great idea, and I will be calling for that on this program, assuming that I'm not calling for something that's illegal, which I right. need to find out. But, which I but, don't know either. Uh, we need to look into this. But frankly, Trump wins no matter what, whether he gets the question on the census or not. Enough people think that it's going to be on the census at this point, which I don't think he's trying a legal strategy. I don't think he's even trying to get the necessarily get the question on the census. He just wants people who have Hispanics in their family, particularly somebody who might be from outside this country, to think that it's on the census. He has poisoned the census already. Rebecca, excellent point. Thanks a lot for the call. And thanks for the AM 950. You know, sleep is vitally important to us. It, it's the time when our body repairs itself. It's the time when our body rebalances itself. Um, everything from hormone levels to, to, you know, blood pressure, everything else. It's also the time when memory gets integrated. We, we process our experiences during the day at night while we sleep, and that's what forms long-term memory. But one of the biggest challenges to sleep, particularly as the hot summer nights have hit us, is temperature. Uh, it can be really hard to sleep during a heat wave, and we're having those all across North America right now. But get this, there's actually a bed that keeps you cool through the whole night, no matter how hot it is outside. The Pod by 8sleep is the first and only bed with responsive surface technology designed to keep you cool all night long. The Pod is the Tesla of beds. The Pod dynamically adjusts each side of your bed to the ideal temperature for your body and for your partner's body, which science shows can help you both sleep deeper, leading to optimal mind and body performance. You'll find that 8sleep is a company dedicated to building the most innovative solutions for sleep's biggest problems. And with the Pod, they are delivering. You'll never have to suffer through sweaty hot nights ever again. If you're ready to beat the sweat and start optimizing your sleep, head to 8sleep.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, they'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup. They already sold out their first two batches. They're going fast. For a limited time, get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash Tom. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash T-H-O-M. 8sleep.com slash Tom. And welcome back, Dennis, in Scott Valley, California. Hey, Dennis, what's up? Or Scotts Valley. Good morning, Tom. Uh, you were talking earlier about the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986. Um, one of the provisions that it made was that the uh, uh, unauthorized immigrants, they call them that then, they call them illegals now, uh, that they were all given amnesty. They were all... Uh, they had to do some Not all of them. There, there was a pretty no, rigorous process. No. It was about five million. But the point is, my point you had is, to, is that you had to prove that you'd been in the country for a certain period of time and all these other things, you know. But your point, yeah, Dennis. I'm yeah. sorry. They had a, they had a, they had a bunch of them. But the main issue of it was that if someone came in illegally and you hired them, you got fined. You got you got fined right. an impossible jail term. I was a, an employer at that time, and I I had to get rid of one of my employees because the limit was three. And so uh, the Simpson-Mazzoli bill was a wonderful bill, but we didn't enforce it. Neither party right. made any kind of effort to enforce the law. And that's the problem in our right. country Reagan, today. Reagan actually explicitly stopped enforcing it in 86, and then no president after Reagan started enforcing. And, uh, uh, and I would say, you know, Obama made minute. kind of a weak T effort. Go ahead. No. 
1987, President Reagan used the executive authority to legalize the status of all the minor children. He went on beyond that. And any child living under 18 that were living with two parents in a household was legalized. So if we just stuck with the actual um, real real thing that he passed instead of ignoring it and letting employers get away with what they're getting away with, we would have been much better off right. in this day and age. Thanks for your time, Tom. I yeah, love your I show. I agree. And, okay, Dennis, thank you very much. It's good to hear from you. Marion in Los Angeles. Hey, Marion, what's up? Okay, this is uh, Marion, and I'm calling from Los Angeles. And I'm just adding to the Becerro program, or the issues of the Becerros. That was actually started in 1942, and it was uh, part right. of the uh, resolution for the California farmers with their, with their farm worker problem, which my parents were farm workers at the time, three-quarters of those in internment camps. It was a way to appease or to solve the solution in California with the farm labor problem, with picking the crop. Right, because so many of the men had gone off to war. And also because they had taken the Japanese-American farmers, uh, farm workers off ah. and incarcerated us. Right. That was the reason for it. Right. The reason. Because the California farmers were behind the incarceration. And so in order to appease the farmers, they they developed the Cerro program. Oh, that's the interesting. Other thing so also, the California farmers were saying, we want to steal the land of the Japanese. And then when they did... They, they, we need more cheap labor. And so they did the Bracero Park. Marianne, I'm sorry we're out of time, but thank you very much for sharing that. That's fascinating. Rob. Thanks for bringing up the issue uh, about the Democrats speaking about immigration. I'm a Democrat, and I said I would throw out illegals and reinstate the law that Reagan ended to bust our unions and start arrest employers yeah let's not uh, call people illegals that's that's usually used as a slur well, Rob. I mean, let's let's call people who are here without documentation undocumented workers yeah i understand but that's what the other side refers to them in so i think the people need to realize this is a major issue i have questioned people on this and i'm losing five hardcore democrat best friends are going to the other side and it's over this issue. And my allegiance over immigration. to the United States, not to immigrants coming from the outside. We don't have to be barbaric to these people. I've met lots of immigrants from all over the world down in Cleveland Clinic, and they seem to get into the country uh, legally just fine by working mm-hmm. with a company or something. So, and we should get back to looking at maybe some of the laws that were back in 1965 to look at how much this has changed since Reagan did this. Yeah, uh, that was 86, as I recall. But, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm with you. And I, and I think, you know, we need to figure out a way to deal with this. Thank you very much, Rob. There's a couple of issues here. Number one, separating immigration and immigrants from refugees and climate crisis and political crisis in Central and South America, or Central America in particular. Number one, separating those two issues, because they're really two very different issues. This tragedy, this woman who testified before Congress yesterday telling the story of how her two-year-old child died in the custody of ICE or just after being released from the custody of ICE is just heart-wrenching. She was a refugee. She is not an immigrant. An immigrant is somebody who is coming here by choice. Like if you decide you're going to move to Canada, you organize it, you think about it, and you get to Canada, then you're an immigrant. 
if you go without work permits from Canada's government, they will kick you back out again. Or if somebody hires you, they will fine or, or jail that employer, but then you would be an immigrant without documentation. That doesn't work in Canada. But that's immigration. On the other hand, you got refugees, number one. And number two, how do the Democrats, since basically Reagan stopped the policy of fining or imprisoning employers, people who hire people who are here without documentation, how do the Democrats message around this? Because so much of the Republican messaging since Reagan did this, and you know, we had a caller earlier in the program who said you know, her husband was working in the construction trades in the 1980s. He had a great union job. He was making you know, the equivalent in today's money, 30, 40, 50 bucks an hour, whatever it was. And um, when Reagan did what he did, suddenly, you know, within, within a couple of years, uh, all, of the, all of the construction projects that, that her husband was working on had, had gone from 30, 40 bucks an hour down to 750 an hour for all of them. And it was because they were hiring people who were here without documentation, and they were able to thus break the unions, which is, of course, what Reagan wanted. So how do you turn this into, how do Democrats turn, you know, time to prosecute the rich white guys who are the employers rather than what Trump is doing on Sunday? I guess this is how I would do it. Rather, you know, Trump says on Sunday he's going to round up a bunch of people, right? If, if, if he, the people he should be rounding up are people like himself. I mean, we know that he had people working at the Trump properties for over a decade who were here without documentation. Why would he hire those folks? Because they're easily exploited, because they're easily frightened. You know, you can threaten them, you can steal wages from them, which is something Trump is notorious for. We need to get control of this issue. The Democrats need to, or the Republicans are just gonna eat our lunch. Joan in Evanston, Illinois. Hey, Joan, what's on your mind today? Hi, I'd just like to make the intersection of the Epstein case and how all those girls that have been trafficked for so many years haven't been afforded the protection by our laws and our justice department and justice system. And the um, children at the border that have been put into these horrific detention camps and then lost by the system. Thousands of children are unaccounted for. Where did they go? And how do we know that they're not in the hands of traffickers. And I think it's safe to assume me, that some of them are. Yes. And we know that the people that are working in those detention centers have not been screened. Many of them have backgrounds right. that, um, you know, are violent and sexually violent against children. Right. And it's just yeah, and this is, this and is I'm just, wondering if the message could be shaped by the Democrats, because even if you're a racist, I still think you're horrified of the possibility that children are being sexually trafficked. I think that there are a lot of racists who are just fine with us. This is one of the reasons, and thanks for the call, Joan, I think this is one of the reasons why there's not more of an outrage across the country about these reports coming out of the detention centers of you know, sexual violence being inflicted on these kids, as well as physical and, and certainly, obviously, the whole emotional violence thing. Uh, Lynn in Wayne, Illinois. Hey, Lynn, what's on your mind? 
Number one, I don't understand why all these people being held in the detention centers is not considered unlawful restraint, which is a felony in the state of Texas, because clearly they're only supposed to hold these people for so many days, and they're holding them way longer than that. So at this point in time, why aren't other law enforcement officials coming in and arresting these people for holding these people longer than they need to be? And then, I think it's because we have a lawless administration, Lynn. I mean, yeah, you know, it's yeah. and 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 if Trump does an executive order to go around the Supreme Court, you know, what's going to stop you know on on the census question, for example, what's going to stop him from doing a, an executive order to go around the Supreme Court on anything else? You know, oh, <laughs> roll back Brown crazy. versus Board, roll back, uh, you know, uh, uh, Roe v. Wade. Well, what about the Texas Rangers? I mean, you know, the, like if this was in Cleveland, when those three women were held in Cleveland, you know, for however long they were held by that man against their will, the FBI, everybody was there investigating and arresting this guy. So the same thing should happen. The problem people, with the I Texas Rangers think. going in there is, is, is the supremacy clause in the Constitution. Basically, federal law enforcement takes precedence over local law enforcement. So this is an issue that needs to be resolved at the federal issue. But I completely agree with you. I think this is unlawful detention as well. I hope that some Republicans get a conscience and, and some Democrats get some spine on this. Lynn, thanks for the call. Roger in Lion Charter Township, Michigan. Hey, Roger, what's up? I'm having an issue with this word that they're using as illegal immigrant. It bothers me yeah. because there's no such thing as an illegal immigrant. Because an immigrant that right, this is why I asked an earlier caller to use the phrase undocumented immigrants or undocumented workers rather than referring to people as illegals. Because uh, calling people illegals, it's a slur that came out of Fox News and, and, and yeah. you know, the, the, the fascist right. That's true. The racist right. You know, right. There's, there's immigrants, and there's nothing wrong with immigrants. There's no problem there either. And there's migrants, and there's refugees, and there's also asylum seekers. And a lot of yes. these... Uh, well, asylum, asylum seekers are kind of, by definition, about. refugees. Okay. but They're seeking they, refuge. But that is have, asylum. They should be treated... That, I mean, we have policies on how to treat refugees or, or asylum seekers, and we have policies on how to treat immigrants, uh, legal immigrants. Uh, you can't be an immigrant in this country unless you're legally here. Same with migrants. Right. Migrants are here to work, but they're here by permission of the United States to work. And they should not be demonized because they're here illegally. The only ones I can think of that they're talking about as far as undocumented are the ones that snuck in across the border, which I call border jumpers. And they should not be here. No, they know that they shouldn't be here, but that's why they do it, because they, they're probably on a blacklist that they can't get permission to come here. Or there's just a limit. I mean, every country limits the number of people who can come in as immigrants because they're trying to regulate or control their labor pool. Right. As far as the people that come here across the border, they come here with the green cards to work. What I'm saying is MSNBC and CNN, for instance, they use the word illegal immigrant a lot, and there's no such thing. People should really understand that you have to know what they're talking about. They're, what they're talking about is people that are jumping the border illegally. And for those kind of people, yes, yeah. give them what they deserve. Kick them out of the country because we don't know who they are. You don't even really have to kick them out of the country, Roger. What happens is no. that if people can't find work... They tend to go back to the country they came from, assuming that there's work there. Now, that's not going to happen with people coming from Honduras and Guatemala and El Salvador. But those aren't people coming here looking to find work. Those are people look, coming here looking to find refuge, therefore refugees. They treat them like criminals. Yeah, yeah. And, and they, they shouldn't be treating them like Yeah, yeah, I got it. Roger, thank you. 
How should Democrats be messaging this, and why are so many Democrats afraid to even talk about this? I think I know the reason. They're afraid You're that the Republicans will Democrat. Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. But here's the problem. When Democrats bite their tongues because they're afraid of what Republicans will say or how Republicans will twist their words, you've already lost. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. And uh, one of the really cool things about being in Networks Nation is that I get to see old friends. Um, Nina, welcome back. So good. Nina Turner with us. Back here with you, Tom. So what are you up to now? It's what been you, too long, though. It has. Can, we just, yeah, stop, can well, we just pause and say? I think the last time we had a good conversation was when you and your husband and Louise and I had dinner together. Yes. And that was like, what, two years ago? It's been Don't tell anybody. Why? I mean, I know. It's, it's incredible. I guess that's a good thing because it means we're busy. It does mean. But still, we got to <laughs> yeah. see each other, at least talk or text or something there a little more go. often. How about that? I'm with that. <laughs> Yeah. What's up? Well, uh, you know, my life has changed immensely, or maybe it's not so much. I mean, I'm sure you're not surprised that I'm mm-hmm. with Senator Bernie Sanders. As yeah, he and I should, I should add, by the way, for people who yes. might not know who Nina Turner is, okay. you're the former state senator from Ohio. From Ohio. You've been, you've been taking names and kicking ass forever. A long and time. <laughs> Hell-raising humanitarian. That's what go. I want on my tombstone, there okay? Go. There you go. That ain't happening no time pardon, soon. Pardon my anyway. interrupting you. But, but yeah, no, you're good. But yeah, so, you know, national co-chair, one of the national co-chairs for Senator Bernie Sanders, we're doing it again. I was with him in 16. I'm back with him again and really proud. And then also rounding up the co-chair team, our fabulous people that you know, Ben Cohen from Mm -hmm. Ben and Jerry's fame. We got Mayor Carmen Cruz from San Juan, Puerto Rico, and Congressman Ro Khanna. Yeah. So we make up the Fantastic Four. There you go. Yeah, well, Ro is on my show every other week. He comes on and takes calls from listeners for an hour. Absolutely. He's fabulous. All all three are fabulous. We're fabulous. I agree. Fantastic (laughs) Four. For, for Bernie go. Sanders, there you go. 2020. There you go. So what's the, what is the, the you know, I know Bernie was on uh, Rachel's show last night. And yes. uh, I, I got, I didn't get here until like two o'clock in the morning, which was kind of late. It was 11 p.m. in Portland, but Rachel's show was off the air. And so I, I was talking to my wife, Louise, you know, yes. who you know. I do and, know. Hi, Louise. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And, and I said, what happened? And, and she said, Bernie just absolutely kicked ass. He, he went on, he went on, now I've used that word twice. Uh, that's my obscenity. What, the kick for ass? The, yeah, for the, for the, I like for the week. Okay. Thank I you. like it. Thank you. Um, but she said, Bernie just came on and just did such a great Torch. job. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, the arguments against was really feeling the burn. He put the burn out there. Yeah, including including the whole Eric Swalwell. Time for the next generation. You know what? I cannot believe. You know, my mother-in-law used to say, "If we all live long enough, we're gonna get old." Yeah. I would like to say, if we all live long enough, we're gonna get seasoned. A little seasoning on us. Wise wisdom, wisdom is the merger of a of experience and knowledge. And t- that's right. And, but and we are, we live in such a, a throwaway nation yeah. that we just want to throw people away who have some season on them, and it doesn't make sense because we all have a generation ahead of us and a generation behind us. So I just thought when Congressman Sawwell made those remarks on the stage, I was really troubled by that because yeah. if he's blessed to live long enough. He will reach his 70s, too. And how would he feel if somebody younger than him was questioning and saying to him, past, give us the, just give us the baton. Yeah. He didn't even talk about earning it. Yeah. He said, just give it to us. Yeah. Yeah. And y'all go down and sit down somewhere. Senator Sanders made it plain. He said, it's not about your age. It's about your substance. I'm paraphrasing. I'm putting the turnerism on it. No, I got it. I got it. And and I love turnerisms. Yeah. (laughs) That's all I can get. (laughs) 
So uh, there's a protest that you're involved with? Yes, Tom. It is so gut-wrenching, and it is a a damn sin and a shame. I'm standing in solidarity with uh, unions like ASME and SEIU and nurses, doctors, all of the hospital workers, from people who clean the hospitals, you know, all the way up to the doctors. You have a venture capitalist, a vulture capitalist, who purchased the hospital, and now the hospital is in jeopardy of closing. Oh my! Where is this? And um, this is Hottman Hospital. It's right around the corner from the convention center. Here in Philadelphia. And right here in Philadelphia, and we came in solidarity. Senator Bernie Sanders' campaign came in solidarity to stand side by side with the workers and the patients and this community. Tom, almost 2,500 people are in danger of losing their jobs mm. over this. And, and guess what the guy wants to do when he sells it? Condos. Oh, jeez. Going to choose condos over patient care. And we got a chance to hear from a patient. Her name is Maria, and she has cancer. And she really shared her story about the type of care that she is continuing to receive at Hahnemann and how she would absolutely be displaced. And it's just really a heartless thing to have to deal with when we have an American system of health care that uses a business model that puts the profits over the people. And there are about 800 pregnant women who have been told, been sent letters telling them this hospital may not be open by the time you give birth to your child, so find another hospital. Whoa. In the United States of America, right here in Philadelphia. Well, and the other thing is is because Republicans in red states are refusing to expand Medicaid. That's right. Yeah, rural hospitals closing That's right. and right. In fact, we had a Republican mayor from, I think it was North Carolina, come on, trashing the Republicans because yes. he says his little town is losing its hospital. People are going to have to travel 30 miles just to get to an emergency room. I mean, Meaning it's, people it's could not, die. Right. So we've got about 30 seconds here until we hit a hard break at the end of the half hour. Um, Nina Turner, <laughs> what message do you want to leave with people? You know, get involved. Don't let things happen to you. Form solidarity. Find something that you believe in. Unite. And let's change the dynamics of this country so that it benefits the overwhelming majority of people in this country. And you know I want people to vote for Senator Bernie Sanders as the next president of the United States of America. That's a great step. The great Nina Turner. Thank thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. great having you with us. Great to be with you. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. I've written four books in the last two years and sitting for four or five hours every day at my desk at home, you know, banging stuff out on the typewriter, it can really take a toll on my spine and on my butt and on my muscles all over my body. And what I've discovered helps me out and helps me get a good night's sleep is New Leaf Naturals CBD oil. I love it. CBD oil is non-intoxicating, which makes it ideal for people who want the health benefits of cannabinoids without the mind-altering effects of medical marijuana. CBD is non-toxic. It has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. And the brand that Louise and I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. It's NU Leaf Naturals. It's the highest quality CBD oil on the market. 100% organic, highly concentrated, no additional additives, grown in the United States, and the only ingredient that this is made from is hemp. So the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com. That's N-U-Leafnaturals.com. And save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to N-U-Leafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, and that's newleafnaturals.com. 
I'm live from uh, Philadelphia from the Networks Nation Convention, and on the line with us is Bob Nay, former Ohio congressman, author of Sideswiped. This is a report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and Loving What You Do, Alan Ratner's new book. Bob, what's in the news today? Well, Tom, we've got a couple of news items. Before we go there, I did want to mention, because I love listening before I, I come on the show, in 1986 with the Immigration Reform Act, you know, in 1987, Reagan actually did an executive action, and it addressed, which was not addressed in the bill, the status of children of undocumented immigrants who were eligible for amnesty program, if the parents were, and he used his executive authority to legalize the status of minor children of parents that were granted amnesty. It affected 100 thousand families i wanted to mention that well that's actually something i would support i mean that that's that's a humane yes. thing well, and and sure. and and yeah. somehow republicans have forgotten that, that you know what yeah. reagan did in 1986 reagan. on the other hand the other part of it was that reagan stopped enforcing the law against hiring yeah. people here without documentation in 86 exactly. and that broke the back of the construction unions it broke the back of the meatpacking unions etc yes giveth on one hand and taketh on the other is what happened with that. Yeah. Speaking of immigration, the House Judiciary Committee this afternoon approved a resolution it's to authorize subpoenas for documents and testimony from former and current, it's pretty broad, Tom, former and current White House officials, and it's part of the investigation of the zero-tolerance immigration policies is what they want to do. It passed party-line vote 21 to 12. And so what they can do, once the subpoena is authorized, the chairman, which would be Chairman Nadler of New York, in this case, may issue it at his discretion, calling this one, calling that person. You know, he doesn't have to come back each time. And it's going to be aimed, Tom, at investigating the administration's policy of separating the uh, migrant children from their parents at the U.S.-Mexican border. That's what they're going to look at. Wow. So you were saying you were going to the Iranian uh, attempted seizure of the British ship. Right. right. This is a little bit different scenario, Tom, than you and I have talked about. Obviously, we hear nothing about the bombs on the Saudi tankers, which I firmly believe the Saudis uh, placed their own bombs on their tankers. We've heard nothing of that. Uh, you know, it was coming from uh, Mohammed bin uh, Salman's uh, kingdom, which, of course, uh, you know, chopped a reporter up while he was alive and denied that they did it. So, you know, who's to believe that? So that's been basically ruled out as, as uh, false. Uh, the second uh, grainy tape that they had, you don't hear anything about that anymore either, uh, because that was sort of the uh, push, of course, by John Bolton, the national security advisor of the president, who almost uh, started a, a war last month. Now, this issue is a little bit different, and I think what's going on here in looking at it is, you know, it's, it's legitimate where they tried to stop the British tanker, the British warship was behind it, and Britain had stopped a ship which it believed was headed to Syria, an Iranian ship that would have violated the sanctions. So obviously it's heating up in the Gulf, and part of it uh, is because, you know, the fact of the nuclear deal was canceled on our part. So therefore, indirectly, this is just my analysis of it, we, by canceling the Obama nuclear deal, have empowered the clerics to be able to get more aggressive than they have been in the last eight or nine years. Uh, because there's nothing now to lose with them. So the clerics have overshadowed they, w the what, What's in it for Iran? Um, I mean, is, is this a tit-for-tat? I know that the British seized a, an oil tanker that they said was illegally delivering Iranian oil to somebody. Um, I think it was heading toward Asia. Um, is this a tit-for-tat that they tried to do, where they tried to seize this British cargo ship? 
It is. It's two two part, Tom. I believe it's it's a tit for tat, and then the second part is they're trying to show Europe that look, uh, we're standing alone here. We want some um, deals made with us. Uh, they complied uh, with the nuclear deal. The International Atomic Energy uh, Agency, the Commission, obviously felt the same way. So Iran now again, the moderates are being taken to task because they said, you know, you did a deal, we complied, and now look what happened. So now we're going to get more aggressive. But they look at it as not being able to uh, talk with the Trump administration whatsoever. John Bolton, and I know I beat this political horse to death, but John Bolton is a major factor of complete mistrust, well, not only in Iran, but in <laughs> major parts of the Western world, to be honest with you, and Europe included. So, uh, you know, they don't feel that they're going to be able to get anywhere at all. And these, and these are the moderates. So really the clerics that are, you know, not the best for the Iranian people have got an upper hand now. And it's an aggressive move, part tit for tat, but also part to say we're going to continue to basically act out until we begin to get some type of relief from Europe. So that's their aim, is to do something. And this is all because Trump just unilaterally decided to blow up a deal, yes. simply, as far as I can tell, simply because Obama negotiated it or helped negotiate it. He did that? It. Yes, he did. He did that. Remember, Secretary of State Tillerson lost his job over this. Tillerson advised the president, which he did when he came into office, to renew the deal, and the president did. Then he became uh, unhappy with Tillerson. That was one of the main problems they had because Bolton convinced him and the Bolton allies, the neocons, that Tillerson was weak. Bob Ney with Talk Media News. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Tom.